Welcome everyone to the Follow the Yogi podcast. I'm Vicki Santana, your host. Join me every week while I'll share with you mind-blowing secrets of the practice of yoga, the philosophy of it, the physical practice of it, and I tie it all together so we can apply these secrets to our lives. Stay tuned. You might just find a little gem that will change your life. And now, on to our next dose of Follow the Yogi. Have you been blessed by having an annoying person cross your path? If this seems like an odd question, it's actually a pivotal question for our topic today. You see, everyone, every event in our lives that comes across our path is a mirror or a teacher. Lots of times it is both. So what is your reaction to this person that annoys you? Do you engage and try to change them? I know I did. Do you avoid? circumvent or ignore them, all the while feeling the emotion that they triggered? Yep, guilty. Or do you complain to others how that person is? Insert negative quality. I know I'm guilty of that too. Or do you stop and ponder how this person is actually helping you see into yourself? Fortunately, I've turned it around and I ask this question more often than not. You see, here's the thing. We rarely see things as they are, and that includes ourselves. We see this world through the filter of I-ness, colored with past attachments, aversions, our fears, the limited amount of experience that we have. And by limited, I mean as it relates to the all the knowledge that's out there in the universe. Because of that, we don't see ourselves as we really are especially in the heat of the moment, we see ourselves as we have been through that knowledge of experience that we have. Then along comes a person that just irritates the snot out of you. Now what? Well, now we usually, if we're unaware that we're even doing this, we do the things that I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. We externalize it. We blame them. We point our fingers towards them. We complain about them all the while, never seeing that they're actually a blessing, a smoke signal, a sign, a symbol to the actual healing and reconciliation that can happen within ourselves. Now, why is this? Why do we externalize these things? Well, it's a lot easier to see things occurring in other relationships other people because there's a certain level of distance there coupled with the fact that the ego really doesn't want us to see ourselves as we really are it wants to keep us entangled it wants to keep us engaged entertained problem solving the outside world things that we can't control things that we really have very little power over us and that keeps us in this roller coaster of emotion, of highs, of lows. That's where the ego keeps its job security. So here's an example. Have you ever had a friend that confided to you their disapproval of someone else's actions and you think to yourself, that's ironic. Susie is complaining about something that she does all the time. Can't she see? that the very thing that she's complaining about, she's guilty of? 
often you've just witnessed the mirror effect. Someone came into Susie's life to identify to her qualities that she possesses but isn't aware of. Instead of taking it inward, she's now complaining about the person, almost shocked that the person has these qualities and they can't see that within themselves. Here's what's happening that you might have missed. The exact same thing is happening for you. Susie's example of what's going on in her life is actually a mirror for our own life. So instead of saying, how ironic, you know, she can't even see that this is happening, take pause there because that's an indicator that you might have to look inward and see where that might be true in your own life. Remember the old cliche or adage, whenever we point a finger at someone, three other fingers are pointing back at us. Keep that mental image in your mind. Now, as a suggestion, I also recommend that we take these exercises with fun, with lightness, with understanding, with curiosity. Gone are the days where we're going to use judgment and criticism, guilt, remorse to try to reconcile these things. Think of these emotions not as tools that help us progress, but instead think of them as an indulgence. It's some of the favorite flavors that ego uses to keep us tied, to keep us in this roller coaster of emotions. They're not productive. They don't create the results that we're looking for. And really, they are like a chocolate. Trust me, I got nothing against chocolate. But when it comes to nutrition, to feeding myself, I know that when I have chocolate, I'm indulging in something that has absolutely zero nutritional value for me. So although it feels good, feels familiar, is an indulgence, if I have certain goals, if I do or consume that often enough, it's actually not working in my favor. Same holds true for those negative emotions that we turn towards ourselves. Instead, replace it, like I said, with curiosity, love for self, forgiveness, patience, compassion, you know, the stuff that we want to give to other people, turn that around and give it to ourselves as we go through this fascinating um, process of self-realization. We can use this also to learn and adopt qualities that we do want to carry on in our lives. As an example, if you've been taught never to express any anger, you'll probably at some point find yourself in a relationship with a person who expresses their anger frequently. Life is giving you a strong message that it's time for you to learn to acknowledge your own anger. I'm not saying you have to become like this person and go around dumping your anger everywhere. Instead, it's a time to find the appropriate balance, learning how to assert yourself and stand up for yourself. Everyone you meet is your mirror. Here's an example from my own life. I've learned about myself than when I have a visceral, intense reaction to something, almost an immediate reaction to something, there's definitely something there. 
As an example, I remember years ago, a studio owner told me that I would be best served, or it would be a good suggestion, if I would learn a certain type or style of yoga that they offered at their studio. He didn't even have to finish that sentence before I literally lashed out and said, oh, hell no, I don't do that style of yoga. That's not somewhere where you're going to find me. Just say in. And then I took a moment and I literally said, you know what? Let me get back to you because right now I'm talking out of my ass. I haven't even taken one of those classes. So let me circle back when I actually have some information, some experience, and then I can give you an educated, tactful, civil answer to your question. For me, I've learned that when I have an immediate reaction to something, I'm not being conscious uh, and I'm literally using my lizard brain to protect, to defend myself because I see, I perceive some kind of danger or change to my mindset. And to me in the past, that has seemed threatening. Now, does that mean that I no longer have those knee-jerk reactions? Uh, no. But what it does mean is now I'm really conscious of that because I know if I have a visceral reaction to something, there is something there inside of me that needs to be reconciled. It's possible that I'm using an old skill to protect or defend myself. It, it's definitely my ego trying to stay in check, trying to save face. So because I'm aware of it, I can also almost immediately circle back and, you know, say, listen, you know, I need to get back to you on that. Um, that was just a reaction that I had, but let me get back with you. Stay tuned. When certain characteristics in someone's personality trigger a negative reaction from us, there's something within us that is coming up because it's ready to be reconciled. Usually, it represents issues from our past that have gone unresolved. Maybe an example of this would be constantly attracting people who betray us in close relationships because we haven't dealt with the parental abandonment issue from our past. What we're seeing is a manifestation of our belief that we can't trust anyone with our feelings. Here's another example. Uh, you're someone who has a constant need to prove to others that you're right. Chances are we're going to attract people who strongly disagree with us because they also have the need to convince others to see life from their perspective. That goes to another thing. Like attracts like whatever our belief system is, I promise you, look at your circle and they will be an incredibly accurate uh, mirror to where you are right now with your belief system. When our parents said birds of a feather flock together, they weren't kidding. Whatever we're vibrating as is exactly what's going to come into our life because this universe isn't working or isn't doing things to us. It's doing things for us, for our evolution, for our involution. That's when we go inward and learn about ourselves. And whatever we need to see, it'll bring it onto our horizon. Now, whether or not we want to see it is a whole different thing. Sometimes, depending on our mindset, 
seeing ourselves as we really are is challenging. Sometimes it's because we don't want to see how we really are. It may not be who we think we are. We've worked so hard to numb ourselves from the quality of ourselves that either society doesn't like or we don't like in ourselves. And instead of understanding them, understanding that there was a benefit to them in the past and then consciously working our way to become detached from it or allow it to no longer be uh, a repertoire in our tool basket of life, we stuff it down. We're doing all of this unconsciously. That's why one of the biggest advices that I give to my students is to be kind to ourselves. The first guideline in our practice is ahimsa, non-harming. And that guideline starts with ourselves, not with everybody else, but within ourselves. If you have found yourself being kinder, more understanding, more forgiving, more loving, more compassionate to other people, it's time to actually start turning these tools inward towards ourselves. Without those tools, this journey of inward reflection, of weakening qualities of ourselves that really don't serve us, but I promise you, they're there. And when the right circumstances arise, will bubble up almost automatically, and you'll even wonder, where did that come from? It's inside of ourselves. So the tools that we need to use to see these things have to be far kinder than the conversation we're having with ourselves, we're accustomed to having. Every person we meet in life is showing up at the perfect time in our lives to reflect something we need to heal within ourselves. The person with whom you interact is showing you who you are, not who they are, and ultimately providing you with an opportunity to love yourself. And since our mission is to discover what we don't love and learn to love it, and then figure out whether or not we want to keep it, the people who get on our nerves the most, the ones that break our heart, the ones that betray us the most, the ones that arise the most intense emotion are among our greatest teachers. When you find yourself triggered by a person or a situation, ask yourself the following questions. Number one, what is this person teaching me that I need to learn to become more whole? Number two, do I behave like this now? Number three, did I behave like this in the past? Sometimes the answers to these questions are buried really deep. So, I like to use the process of, is that true or why, as I start answering these questions for myself. So uh, let's take number two. Do I behave like this now? I'll ask myself, well, do I? And then almost immediately, it'll probably say, nope, not me. Mm -mm. And then I'll ask myself, well, give me some situations, some scenarios that contradict that. And I'll usually have some really good ones. But as I start to think about it, and I mean really think about it, and it goes over a process of a few days, sometimes a few weeks, ugh, I've had some that have lasted years before I actually got the message. Um, as I start peeling away the layers and asking myself, am I sure? 
you know, giving myself examples. And then those examples, I start digging a little deeper into them. I do begin to notice just about every single time that there are little gems of wisdom to learn about myself on how to really nullify that behavior that I see in another person and get rid of it within myself. There's a lot of tools that I use to do this, but one of my favorite ones is actually when I find a behavior inside of myself that I don't want to keep, I will surround myself with someone who has the completely opposite behavior so I can learn from them. Even in the Yoga Sutras, it is very clear. In order to cultivate right actions, and by right, they're not saying right or wrong, legal or illegal. They're referring to the actions that we need to have to be able to continue on this spiritual path and move forward. In order to find those right characteristics, surround yourself with the people the teachers, the students that have those properties in them already and then pay attention to them, learn from them, be open to adopt their qualities and replace the qualities that are stopping us from our evolution. Because the good news is that the desirable behaviors we see in others is also a reflection of ourselves. When we predominantly choose thoughts of love, We live in a reality of love. Remember, we can only love and accept others to the degree that we love and accept ourselves. So for me, this process of self-evaluation, of self-study, it's a niyama in the Yoga Sutras in the Eight-Limbed Path called Svadhyaya. This process of study of self is such an integral, important part of our practice. Again, we want to do this in a loving fashion, but we also want to be, you know, as honest with ourselves as we possibly can. And what can be more objective than someone else acting as a mirror for us? Now the mirrors are going to be all around all the time. Everything we do is a lesson if we're paying attention. It's up to us to decide if we want that mirror to also be our teacher. We'll find this in all of our relationships, in our children, in our lovers, in our parents, in our workmates, in our matmates. Everyone is an opportunity to gain insight about ourselves. I know as I was watching Bailey grow up when she started getting into her teenage years, that I noticed she had a very rough edge to herself. She was incredibly opinionated. And I used to laugh because I'd say, you know, that quality of yours is going to help you uh, when you become adult, an adult, but it ain't going to help you under this roof. And I giggled and I laughed. And then as I watched her more and more, I noticed that the qualities that she had were qualities that I had when I was younger. Now, That was a time for me that I didn't really like who I was at all. That was an opportunity twofold. The first opportunity was to accept, to understand that those qualities that I had based on my childhood were qualities that I needed to frankly survive. 
and I mean life and death situations. And I also needed to realize that those qualities survived in me long enough so I could have the opportunity to when they were no longer needed, nullify them, soften them a little bit. The other side of the equation is because I saw this so clearly in myself and I saw the need where I needed to, or I didn't need those um, skills anymore, I was open enough to help my daughter kind of smooth her edges a little bit. Let her know that you can't be right all the time, that you're not right all the time, that shoving your opinion into someone else isn't going to get you the relationships that you want to have in your adult life because everyone comes fully contained with their own opinion and their own reality and we need to respect that can we disagree absolutely but in the final analysis everyone has their own reality that even if we don't agree we definitely have to respect because just like we don't appreciate someone invalidating our reality No one deserves to have their reality invalidated either. For me, some of the most intense relationships are romantic relationships. These are the relationships for me. This is just the way I came into this life, I think. These are the relationships for me that smack me in the face, that teach me the most about myself. And um, some of that is really, really painful I really appreciate uh, my last romantic relationship because in that relationship was encompassed almost my entire childhood, a lot, if not all, of the scars that I came out of my childhood with were brought up to the surface. In that relationship, I was able to see that I had a deep well of love, forgiveness, compassion for another person, and more importantly, for myself. I was able to witness myself, yes, making mistakes, but also having this unshakable love for another human being, knowing that no matter how flawed they were, that was them learning their lessons. That was their protective body bumping up against mine, trying to learn and reconcile itself. That person was one of the most complete mirrors of who I was early on in life, raw, fractured, um, in survival mode, uh, self-serving. And these sound like negative qualities, but they really aren't. Those qualities will help somebody, help him, it helped me to survive and to figure out who we are. But I was able to see so clearly who I was for so long. And I was able to embrace myself and forgive myself for those qualities that I had by extending my heart unconditionally out to that other person. Now there came a time 
where the karmic dance was done. I no longer needed that person in my life to see what I needed to see to reconcile within myself. There was a time of suffering when holding on was all I knew because I, mm, I thought, I thought, I thought, hey, listen, I've gone through this. I've gone through this pipe. I can help you. But that wasn't my job. My job was not to help that person. My job was to help myself and then move on. Believe it or not, that ability to disassociate myself, to not think that I can fix other people has made me a better mother, a better teacher, a better pet owner, a better global citizen. Everything was righted in that one very wrong relationship. You see, we can only love and accept others to the degree that we love and accept ourselves. Let me be clear. We can go through the motion. We can bring ourselves to these highs. We can be self-serving by the things that we do that make us feel good when we help other people. But when it's all said and done, true love, true acceptance of others is measured by the love and acceptance we have of ourselves. When you make it a habit to learn from your relationships, eventually you will discover that you can observe negative traits within others without judgment, without getting hooked into someone else's drama. Ah, that's a good one, right? Because that sand in the oyster, that drama, that annoyance, that visceral reaction won't exist anymore. I feel compelled to say this because I don't want anyone to walk away with a misunderstanding that you're, if you're in a bad relationship, especially a dangerous relationship, I am in no way, shape, or form saying stay in that relationship until you learn the lesson. If you find yourself in a relationship who habitually abuses you in some way, it is sometimes, many times, healthy to limit your exposure to that person or to avoid their company completely. Because once we've been triggered, all of the research actually is within ourselves. So if you're in a dangerous situation, please find yourself in a safe place. And the best part of all of this, the good news is that the desirable behaviors we see in ourselves is also a reflection of ourselves. When we predominantly choose thoughts of love, we live in a reality of love. In other words, as we focus our light within, we bring out the light within ourselves. That does it for this episode of Follow the Yogi. Check in with you next week, yogis.